Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Noise, Part 1, Led by the Spirit. Recorded Sunday, February 26, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Well, we're glad you're here. My name is Scott. I've been working here for 30 years, but if you just started attending in the last month, you've probably never seen my face, so I thought I'd better introduce myself. And I've been preaching at Broken Bow for a couple weeks. We have a campus there, and then Jackie and I took a, a little vacation last weekend. So it's good to be back. Love being here. I missed you. Uh, also, I want to thank Parker and Dan and Josh and Rachel, because they brought a really good series to us uh, the Cupid Shuffle series, and if you missed that, you'll want to go find it because it's really good. So go to the Church Center app, and you can, you can get onto it there. Today, we're beginning this new series, as Andrew told you, called Noise. How do we live in harmony with God through all the distractions that the world tends to throw at us? And I'm hoping that over the next several weeks, you'll be able to do a little business with God, go into a, what I would consider to be a retreat mode so to speak, or a wilderness experience, because we're going to be walking with Jesus into his experience in the wilderness, and we're going to learn from him on how to cut through the noise. Carmen Imes calls the wilderness the liminal space, the liminal space. A liminal space is a place of transition. It's, 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 where, we, it's where we stop and we look and we change so that we can discover what God wants to show us. When Jesus went into the wilderness, he went into the liminal space. And before that, he and many other people were going into the wilderness to hear the preaching of a, of a man named John the Baptist. You probably heard of him. And uh, we're gonna focus on Matthew 3 and 4 over the next several weeks. But I want to begin with the first 12 verses of Matthew 3 to get us started. So here's what it says. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Then a description of John, his clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist, food was locusts and wild honey, a naturalist. People went out from him, Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. You know, just to stop there, people will travel a long way if they think they can hear the voice of God, if they can hear from God. Since February 8th, there have been tens of thousands of people going to a tiny town in, it's called Wilmore, Kentucky. Heard about this? It's called the Asbury Revival. It started spontaneously on, on February 8th. And some people on site have testified to this a powerful feeling of reverence and sweetness that refreshed their spirits and made them aware of God's presence. Now, I don't know if the people who were traveling to the Jordan River were experiencing that kind of thing. I know that they were experiencing a powerful experience, for sure. 
And yes, God's presence was felt, especially when Jesus showed up, the Son of God. But I'm not sure about the sweetness of the tone, okay? Because look at what it says about John's message. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to the place where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you of the, of the, of the wrath to come? <laughs> Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, well, yeah, Abraham is our father. Look, God can rise up children from these stones if he wants to. He doesn't need the children of Abraham. The axe has already fallen on the tree. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. I mean, it's like, it's not a real, you know, like happy-go-lucky message coming at these guys. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one more powerful than I, one whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, I just can't think about this in regard to Asbury. Like, what if people, you know, travel there from who knows where and they're there to, you know, to feel the sweetness of God and they had some preacher doing this stuff, you know? What if you came today and it's like the preacher was like this? What brought you slithering in here today? What, you know, what rock did you crawl from, with, from under? You, know, you, you want to be here just to feel good about yourself? Is that what you're here for? Do you just want to get a refreshed spirit? Or you, want to, you want to give God your wish list that you call prayer, the one that you just spout out every day and hope that today it's going to be different? Why are you here? This is serious. There's consequences. This isn't a pretend club. Why don't you just slither back where you came from? Is that why you're here? I don't think so. I don't think any of us want that. I mean, if I traveled to the wilderness of, of, of Wilmore, or for that matter, if I traveled to this wilderness today and I heard that, I might just not want to stay. I mean, I might just end up out at IHOP afterwards with you complaining about the preacher. I mean, I might be sending some texts or emails to who, the guy that I think it might be an elder here and saying, why'd you bring that, let that guy stand there? I mean, I don't know. I mean, w w would you just ignore the sermon if that were the sermon? Or would, would it somehow invoke something to change? I, I don't know. My guess is that most of us don't want to hear messages like John's message because we're pretty content with our lives. And I don't mean that that means we think we're perfect. No one here thinks, I know you don't think you're perfect. The person next to you might think they're perfect, but you don't. At least that's what you think. No. But, but we do, I think what we do is we become content. Like we just kind of settle in. Like maybe we've just become overwhelmed and, and felt powerless to change anything, so we just fall into that. Well, I guess it's just going to be this way. Or maybe we're just so tired and busy from, you know, overextending our lives that we, we just don't have the energy, you know what I mean, to make any changes. Maybe we've been so hurt, so disappointed by ourselves and others that we just don't think we can handle another one. So we just hide and try to just stay in the groove, you know, just stay in the groove. 
Maybe we're so distracted and overcommitted that we just lose sight of the simple truth of Jesus. See, we go along, and I think this is often true for, for us. It points out to this need, and I appreciate the Asbury students in this regard and the Asbury travelers because they're just saying, I need to break through the noise. I need to let God get my attention and to get through the noise, a noise that robs me of seeing the truth. That's a good thing. Matthew says that the people of Jerusalem and Judea, the whole region along the Jordan were coming out to hear John, and there are all kinds of people in the crowd, just like there are in, Wilming, in Wilmore, Kentucky, and, and there are here to, for that matter today. Uh, people who are, you know, religious, people who are not religious, people who came from different ethnic groups like Judaism and, and the Roman, you know, the Greek-Roman world and whatever is in between those things. And, and why were they coming? Why would they come to hear a message like John's? I think it's the same people that, see, same reason that people go to places like Wilmore and to church on Sunday. Because there's something we need. We need to let God speak to us through the noise. Because my life gets out of balance. And I recognize ways in which I resist others and struggle personally with who I am. And I contradict myself and I betray myself with, you know, I, I have these ideals about my life that I think I should live out. But then there's the real of my life that just doesn't line up. And they're contradictory. And I often betray my own integrity, and I need to work on that. And I see patterns and habits that don't help me with those I love and don't help me with how I see myself, and yet I continue to stay in those patterns, and they continue to do what they do to me. Sometimes I'm afraid, and I don't want to face the things about me that wreck me and wreck others. So it's easy to begin to believe that that's just how it's going to be. I am what I am, and I guess I'll just always be that way. It's just me. And I settle for what is rather than for what might be. And I turn away from a better future believing that the only one I have is the one that's currently being lived out. And the noise wins. The noise wins. And maybe it's just me. I don't know. Is that just me? And that's when I need to have the courage to do this, to go to the wilderness. And I don't mean that you need to get on, you know, get in your car or get on a plane and get down to Wilmore, Kentucky. I don't think that's necessary. I think that you can go to the wilderness right here in Grand Island or in Broken Bow, a wilderness experience that, that can open up the hope and possibility that's before you. But are you like me in this regard? Do you sometimes need someone to say to you, you can change? To remind you it's possible? That your life can be different? Because that is the message of John the Baptist. It wasn't a message of condemnation. It was a message pointing people to a future of change, 
a wilderness experience that opens up possibility. And that's what it means when he says repent. Repent. And I, I know that, that that word repent, I get it. I know what happens when, when the preacher says change begins with repentance. That immediately most of us go here. We say, oh, here we go. Now he's going to tell me about all the bad things that I do in life. Like it's going to be, you know, he's going to lay it on me. Someone's in trouble. I hope it's not me. Someone better straighten up and fly right. I hope it's not me. Most of us think about repentance in terms of behavior and morals. We think that it means I just got to live a life of sorrow, like in, in dust and ashes, you know? I got to just live my life in ashes. I got to try harder. I got to be good again. I got to do a better job of it. I got I to gotta be good enough so that God can somehow accept me and others can somehow tolerate me. Life has a way of mocking that kind of thinking right out of us. Like, I bet you know what I'm talking about. I bet all of us here could probably tell stories or times when we just got to feeling guilty and we got convicted about our own failures and sin and we just went there, you know. I got to do better. I got to give my best. I got to change. I got to give. I got to work. I got to serve. I got I to meet expectations. And you know, that's all okay until it's not. So what if repentance is more about trying harder or about self-defacing thinking? What if it is about, about becoming my truer and better self? What if that's what repentance is for? What if it's about claiming my integrity and refusing to betray myself another time? What if repentance is about what's going on inside me rather than what I'm showing on the outside? The word repentance, it means this, simply. It means turn. Turn. Repentance is a liminal decision to leave what doesn't work and to join up with what might. Like, that's really what it is. It's about being open to God for my future. It, it, it's about hoping against hope in the possibility that God can make it better. It's simply, sometimes just simply remembering again that he has a purpose for me, and so I need to get my life on track again. I mean, again and again. So, because I can change my mind again. I can have a change of heart. Repentance is about getting on track. It's not about guilt. It's not about innocence. And that's the mistake we make. That's the mistake that this preacher has made, preaching on repentance for about 40 years. But it hit me. Repentance, even John the Baptist's version of it, is about becoming whole, becoming right. And not right in terms of right-wrong, but right in terms of right from the inside out. It's, 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 it's less about my past, and it's more about the next thing that God wants for me. It gives me a future. It calls me for change. Repentance is just a response. It's, it doesn't have to be huge. 
doesn't have to fix everything. But if it starts working on one thing, it's, it's repentance. Repentance is a way of life. Repentance is a lifestyle. We repent our way to wholeness. And I'm just here today to say, how does that look for us? Because we're going into the wilderness with Jesus. And Jesus never needed to repent of sin. But Jesus lived a life of repentance where he always stepped into the next thing that God led him to. Okay? And he showed us how to do that. Repentance is not a precondition for him coming. Repentance is how I respond because he has and the idea of, re- of ongoing repentance is championed by Jesus. He said, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repentance is about good news, not about despair, not about brokenness, not about, oh, I guess I am just that way and I'll always be that way. That's not what repentance is. After the resurrection of Jesus, his disciples told Jerusalem who had crucified him, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive a beautiful gift, a gift called the Holy Spirit who will come into you and give you a change of life. Repentance brings a gift. And and then, you know, the entire New Testament, the word repentance shows up in every New Testament book. And and it's, it's... culminated by the message of John in the book of Revelation where he just tells all the churches you need to be about repentance because it's, it's about life change and it's about moving forward with God. It's an ongoing thing. Like I think repentance is like learning to walk. It's not just about whether we fall but really it's whether will we, will we get back up again. It, it's like I'm going to recover again and I'm going to try again. I'm not going to forget to keep trying. I mean, what happens with a, you know, what would happen with a child who's learning how to walk and they get up and they fall two or three times and they just say, yeah, that's enough of that. I think I'll just stay down here for the rest of my life. That's not a good thing. They need to have a lifestyle of getting back up and walking because, you know, I'm, I'm an older guy now. I'm 64. Like I find myself falling again quite a bit, especially on ice. It's like, man, I hope, I, there are times I don't want to get back, but I do. Because life is that way. What if repentance is about recovering what's been ignored or neglected for a while? What if it's about facing aspects of myself that I don't like, that are unacceptable, that make me unlovable, that, that, that wreck me and wreck others? What if repentance is simply about the many U-turns I have to make just to get back on track because I forgot the direction I was headed with God? What if it's about having another change of heart, another course correction? Because the course I've been on for a while just isn't really a good one. What if repentance is the recognition that we are all recovering human beings? Regardless of our guilt or innocence, we are all recovering human beings. Hello, I'm Scott Jones. I'm a recovering human being. I can admit that. Can you admit it? Okay, I want you to do it with me. Ready? I'm not just, yeah, you say your name and then say, I'm a recovering human being. Ready? Hello? I'm? Sounds just like some of the meetings I've been to over the course of my life. It's not a bad thing to admit. 
that I can celebrate hope and not guilt because I'm in the recovery mode. (laughs) And I have someone helping me. I have this powerful Holy Spirit in me to help me walk in that path. And when I get off path, he helps me. John preached about repentance. The people responded to his message. They were baptized. Now, this message isn't about baptism. It's not about, you know, about that moment in your life when you make that, that huge transi- transition away from your sin and into a life of fullness with Jesus that's culminated in baptism. However, that's important, and some of you need to take that step because you've not taken that step. You need to choose to take the step and walk with Jesus into that moment of repentance and, and faith and baptism and, and trust. And by the way, we have a an event coming up on April 16th where we offer morning of baptism. Maybe that'll be the day you do that. Maybe you'll do it before that. If you're ready to be baptized, you should do it. But today I'm mainly reminding those of us who've already taken that step that we've already had the washing of rebirth as Paul describes our baptism. And I'm just saying that John told the Jewish leaders who were fully familiar with ceremonial washings that repentance is not just about something new. It's also about continually living in a process of of resetting that newness. And who among us here today doesn't need to take that trip again? Who among us here today doesn't need to let the noise of this world that lies to us and causes us to ignore God and doubt God and forget that the kingdom of heaven has come to forget that God is holy and that we are his children, who among us doesn't need to go back again and say, wait a minute, there's stuff. I need it. Maybe you would admit that too. For those of us who can hear God through the noise, repentance becomes a way of life and it becomes the way that we continually draw near to the one who came near to us. I I was thinking about this this week in terms of my own life and just a couple incidences that seemed different for me when it comes to repentance than the way I've seen it all my life. On Tuesday, for instance, I met with a man named Rex. Rex is a 55-year-old man, something that, I don't know if he's right at that age, but right there, and he has Down syndrome. His verbal skills are somewhat limited. But being with Rex reminded me again of my most basic limitations because Rex has so few of them. Like, he doesn't worry about stuff like I do. He trusts that he's going to be taken care of. Each moment of each day, he just takes it for what it is. He doesn't try to control, doesn't try to manipulate, doesn't try to change the course. He doesn't try to bend it to his will. Now, he does like the Dallas Cowboys, which means he's certainly not perfect. (laughs) Someone from the last service told me, now that means he's almost perfect. I don't know how you feel about that, but here's the point. Me sitting with Rex for a half hour gave me an opportunity to see myself a little more clearly and to do some repentance in a very positive way. You know, recently a colleague told me something that I've struggled to believe in myself my whole life. Even though, even though he helped me see it again, I still don't believe it. But they believe it about me. 
And so he cut through the noise of the lies and he pointed out something that he saw as true. And again, I came back to God and said, God, thank you for showing me that. I want to be different because you did. That's repentance. You know, every, every week here, you know, those of us who are involved with ministry here, we get to work with people who are in the process of going to the wilderness and what a great place it is where they're listening beyond the noise of their life and they're stepping into their position as a child of God and, and maybe they've been hurt, maybe they've been betrayed, but maybe they feel suspicious, but they're still willing to step in. And that means that their grief, their sorrow that's become overwhelming and drowned out God's voice, they're seeing through the hope, they're hearing something about mercy. And it's starting to change them. Change them. Repent. Not because you've been bad, maybe you have, but not because you've been bad. Not because you're a failure, you have, but not because you are a failure. The feelings are real, maybe even legitimate, but repentance is because I want to change. I need to turn. And there's a direction that I can go that's much better than the one that I've been on. What's one thing you could change today that would deepen a relationship that you have? What is one change that could begin today where you could again see the beauty of the world because you've forgotten how beautiful it is? What is a change that could begin today that would help you rediscover your care for yourself and the people in your life? What is a change or a turn you could make that could soften your grief just a little bit so that you could start living a little bit more in the wholeness of life. What is a change you could begin to make today that would let you turn to a future with hope and the possibility of the impossible? A start, a new future, a getting back up and walking again, taking another step, maybe a baby step, maybe a big one, I don't know, but take a step, repent. Not because you're bad, but because you're worth it. You're worth it. He said so. Lord, as we commune today, what we're celebrating is you, when you stepped in, you came into this place, a hard place, a place full of noise. You cut through the noise. You brought the message of change and turn and new life. And when we commune today, we're celebrating that turn and that change. And there might be something we need to lay before you. Whatever it is, Lord, may we have the courage to take the step. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things I love about communion is just this moment of quiet, this pause, this chance where you can breathe, where you can commune with God. It's in, it's in the name communion. The idea is that we're connecting with God, consuming the body of Christ in the context of the body of Christ, having a moment to ignore the noise in our lives and to tune in to the voice of God right here, right now. 
as a kid, I didn't really care for this moment much because I just wondered, you know, when is church going to get over? Um, but as I've grown as an adult, as a parent, I've realized how much I need this moment right here in my life because if I don't, if I don't take advantage of this chance right here to connect with God, to tune into him, then I might not get it this morning or this day or maybe even this week. As Scott said, we live in a loud world full of distractions and and disturbances. Not all of them are bad. We have kids, we have family, we have work, we have our phones, we have the news, we have our worries, we have our fears, we have our anxieties. We have all sorts of things that collectively create this static drum, this white noise that can, if we're not careful, tune out that still small voice in our lives. And the goal of this series, these next Six weeks, these 40 days as we get ready for the Easter season is simply this. To look to Jesus. What did he do that set him apart? What was it about that experience he had in the wilderness that allowed him to overcome the test of the devil, to do better than Israel had done in the past in their wilderness experience, but to, to defeat the devil, to face those tests, to prove to be that which God had declared him to be in his baptism, which is the Son of God. How did he do it? We're going to be looking at his practices that he practiced there in the wilderness and really throughout his entire ministry. And we're not going to just learn about these each week. We're actually going to carve out times in our individual rhythms and in our small groups and even here on Sunday mornings as a church to do the sorts of things that Jesus did. And today we're going to do something really simple. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand up with me if you don't mind. Stand up. Scott talked about repentance and how Repentance, it's not so much about, you know, um, all these confessions and individual things that happen in our lives. It's, it's really about a posture. It's a reorientation of our lives of saying, I'm going to stop walking this way. I'm going to start walking in your way. I'm going to set aside my agenda and get in line with what you want to do in the world. God, I want to accept that way of life for myself. And so I want to invite you all to take on a posture. Simply go like this. Just set out both hands like this. Again, only if you're open and willing. You don't have to do this. Just an invitation. A posture of surrender. You may want to close your eyes. It's up to you again. Just get comfortable. But here's what I want to invite you to do. First, as you hold this posture, would you be willing to speak to God, to Give up to God your own way of doing things. Maybe you want to say this out loud or to yourself. God, my life is yours. This world is yours. My way of doing things are yours. Maybe there's even something specific in your life that you know you need to give up, that you've been holding on to. Just one thing. A worry, a fear, a habit, an addiction, the inability to say no, the unwillingness to say yes. I don't know what it is, but I know you know. In this moment, would you be willing to give that up to God, to repent in this way, as God talked about, so you can become your better self? And as you give that up, I want to invite you also to, now as you hold that posture, to receive, God, what is it you have for me? God, I want to give up some of myself. I want to give up these things in my life so that I can receive what it is you have for me so that I can become 
what it is you want from me, ultimately for me to become like the image of Christ, who is the image of God, which God created each and one of us, every one of us to be. You can go ahead and hold that posture. We're going to continue into a song of worship. I invite you to hang on to that. As we sing these words, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10.15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.